We are joined by our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman, on a White Coat Wednesday. Nice to have you. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Okay, so what kind of health considerations uh, do we have when it comes to this smoke, which I understand it may be worse in Montreal. Certainly it's worse in Ottawa, but people around Toronto are definitely smelling smoke in the air and seeing a haze. It's not good for you at all. Uh, we have, oh, gazillion studies this is a scientific term. I, I apologize for throwing it out there. We have a lot of studies uh, over the years showing that the particulate matter, whether it was the diesel exhaust from buses in the day or from smoke coming from uh, fires, uh, wildfires in our forests and everything, that particulate matter, when it gets into your lungs, is particularly bad for you. Uh, these are very, very tiny particles. You just see them as a basic haze. You may not even see it. And when they get into your lungs, not only do they damage your lungs themselves and make it more difficult for you to breathe, but they're so small they get absorbed into the circulation. And so we've seen in studies of people living near highways or living near fires or post Fort McMurray after those horrible wildfires that were there a few years ago, that there was an increased risk of brain tumors, increased risk of all sorts of different cancer, as well as heart attacks and strokes. And we think it's all related not just to the nasty chemicals that are released in a wildfire, but also this very tiny particulate matter. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, should we be wearing masks when we're exposed to this type of, um, I'll call it air pollution, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, even more nefarious than that. And if you look at what's been happening in countries in Southeast Asia, Thailand being the perfect example, their air quality has been miserable over the years. And the use of specifically N95 masks, remember those? Yes. Mm. Um, uh, have been particularly useful in protecting people from the harmful effects of uh, the small particles in the air that come from wildfires. So best is not to be exposed at all, duh. Best is not to have to go outdoors or to exert yourself outdoors when the air quality is at its worst. If you're in your car, make certain that you're recirculating the air within the car, not uh, you know pushing that button that allows fresh air to be driven into your air conditioning or whatever it is that you're using. Drive with the windows closed, same thing at home. Uh, windows closed, air conditioning on, uh, trying to minimize the amount of air sucked in from the outside. But if you do have to go outside, Wearing the surgical masks that many of us wore during COVID-19 does give you some protection if it covers your nose and mouth very well, but an N95 would be best. But I don't know about you guys, but I have found that if you're wearing properly fitted N95s for prolonged periods of time, it really makes breathing very uncomfortable. Uh, so at least a surgical mask. But yeah, minimize the amount of time you're exposed to this stuff. It's just really bad for you. Meanwhile, let's turn to another story. Uh, people using melatonin for uh, sleep, and uh, apparently there's some health damage that can arise from that. Yeah, people assume because it's over-the-counter that it's completely safe. And we've had this conversation before. Over-the-counter or natural doesn't mean safe. Um, and the problem with melatonin is it's not really regulated very carefully. Because it's found in food, uh, things like flaxseed or tart cherry juice and uh, bell peppers, it's not regulated as a drug. It's re regulated as a dietary supplement, both in the States and in Canada. And the result of that is the criteria and the regulations don't 
follow it as carefully. So we've seen, there's a study out of Ontario actually, looking at the doses of melatonin in over-the-counter products and found that the, the it could be wildly off, and I mean dangerously too much. Um, and also they have found that it can be contaminated with a natural byproduct of melatonin, which is something called serotonin. And serotonin given to people who are on other medications can trigger something called serotonin syndrome. So in and of itself, too much melatonin can cause nausea, headache, confusion, disorientation, prolonged sedation. So you have to only use melatonin properly. You have to only use it when it comes from a certified source. And I would check my with my pharmacist before I purchased melatonin. And you want to use the minimum amount for the minimum amount of time probable. So three to five milligrams taken about 30 minutes before you go to bed may help you to fall asleep. Uh, if you're using a lower dose, and that works for many people, you have to take it about an hour or so before you go to bed. But realize you're only using melatonin because what we used to call sleep hygiene has failed. In other words, you know, darkened room, no noise, you know, all the usual things that you're supposed to do before you go to bed, no exercise, no caffeine, doing something boring like talking to me. <laughs> Those are all boring. the things that you have. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And some people do anything to fish for a compliment. Um, but, 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 but those are the things you should be turning to first before you turn to a supplement. And then do check with your pharmacist uh, that the stuff that you're using is well-regulated and well uh, and pure. Meanwhile, a uh, chemical that is found in a common sweetener damages your DNA super. Yeah. <laughs> really, is anything safe out there? Yeah, I know. But you and I have had a, a variant on this conversation. Um, you shouldn't really be using sweeteners, artificial or otherwise. What you should be doing is training your body not to crave sweetness. And don't forget all these sweeteners, artificial or otherwise, especially the artificial ones, are very, very strong in terms of the amount of sweetness that they impart. Um, so you need very small amounts, and you shouldn't really be using them. You should be using them to transition away from sugar. But in this series of studies looking at sucralose, um, they have found that it, and it's one of its metabolites, may actually affect the lining of your gut, may actually affect the cells in your body if it's absorbed in ways that you might not want it to specifically cause problems with your uh, DNA and all that. Now, again, these were animal and or lab studies, um, but certainly the findings in this study are scary enough that I would reinforce what we've said before. Artificial sweeteners are really nifty in terms of helping you get off sugar without question, but the key thing is to try and avoid sweetness in other words, to try and diminish the amount of uh, sweetness in your foods so that you no longer crave sweetness and you get used to enjoying your coffee, for example, uh, black or with a little bit of uh, uh, skim milk rather than with tons of cream and tons of sugar. Then we have a man who spent 100 days eating only <laughs> McDonald's food. What happened? Well, but the, the key message is not that it was McDonald's. The key message was that he only took half of a serving with all of his food and therefore lost an awful lot of weight. I would never suggest a diet that consists of heavily processed foods, whether it's McDonald's or any other heavily processed food. But the key message I think that he, that he was uh, uh, giving was that it was portion size. If you want to lose weight, exercise is important. But one of the key 
things to helping you lose weight is diminishing the size and the amount that you eat. And we know this from other studies that if you eat off a small plate, you may actually help yourself lose weight because it takes so much less to fill a small plate. You'll find that you're eating less over time. So I think that's the key message. I really don't want to promote <laughs> a heavily processed food diet for anyone under any circumstances. No, I remember when Morgan Spurlock, the documentary filmmaker, did this. And, uh, you know, his, his doctor was astonished at how much damage his body was suffering. <laughs> That's right. So, but but I think the key message this guy was trying to convey is by cutting his portions in half, uh, he that's he he was able to achieve what he was trying to achieve, which was weight loss. And I don't think living off any one food source is safe. Uh, I think a varied diet has always been the way to go. That's the way we're put together. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. And I certainly also wouldn't recommend a heavily processed diet. But at the end of the day, the key message I think here is portion size. Diminish the amount that you're eating and you'll help to lose weight. There you go. Thanks, Dr. Mitch. A pleasure. Have a great day. That's our medical correspondent, Dr. Mitch Shulman.